broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 248. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And uh, we're recording this a bit early, seeing as this week is Christmas. Merry Christmas, y'all. Or Festivus. Happy Festivus. The the festival with the aluminum pole. And the airing of grievances. And I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> well, first up, uh, the people we don't have grievances with are wonderful friends over at 4814 Web Hosting. You want the best WordPress host out there? You should definitely go over to 48-14.com. They're Canadian, so you know they're going to do quality work. Are they yep. Canadian? I was not aware of that. They are. They're from Is Toronto. Is that why they're so friendly? I, I think they might actually be full of uh, ex-Blackberry employees, which is how they, they found out about us. <laughs> Once we drove Blackberry into the ground single-handedly, huh? Yeah. Oh, well, hey, these guys have some clout. Maybe we should uh, we should host their site for us. Um, but no, <laughs> these guys are awesome. In fact, just tonight, in fact, in about a couple hours, they're going to start doing a PHP upgrade on our site. So uh, our site should even be more awesome by the time you hear this. Merry Christmas to us. Hey, also awesome are our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, stitcher.com, and Eagle Moss Limited. Not to mention the wonderful folks over at Radio KSCR. So many friends. And it's nice to have them this time of year. It is, you know, because now we're not lonely and sad and having to call suicide prevention hotlines. You know, it's actually a myth that suicides go up during the winter months. They actually go down. They go up during summer. Really? Yeah. Misconceptions about holidays. I was not aware of that. Also a misconception that Jesus was born in December. Yes, because everybody knows April. For one, December didn't exist when Jesus was born. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there like some... Wasn't it something no, I, to do I, with some pagan holiday trying to cover up I take that back because I screwed it up. December existed... But August and July did not. So it still gets screwed up. Not to mention, people, it says that shepherds were out with their sheep. What kind of self-respecting shepherd puts a sheep out in December? Seriously. Not well, a good they, one. They were in the Middle East, though. And it doesn't matter. That's, I can't imagine it being terribly cold there in December, considering they're like close to the equator. They still don't do it, though. It's a springtime. He it? was a spring baby. Well, at least, you know, we all know that there'll be no snow in Africa this Christmas. This is so. true. There was plenty around the manger, though. Um, hey, we got some feedback, and I bet we're going to get a lot more from that. Um, just saying. Uh, this one is from Ruff concerning uh, our last episode. Uh, good episode, and very happy to see you mention the machete order, but sad to hear about Schmitty, get well soon, and on Colin, keep on using the re resurrection stone. I saw episode 7 on Saturday, got there 45 minutes before the scheduled start, along with a bunch of others. The crowd was very civil and clapped briefly when Han plus Chewbacca, Leia, Luke, R2-D2, and C-3PO came on screen. He actually writes A2-D2, which... Maybe that's like the Australian version of R2-D2? Yeah, that's a different That's a different droid. It's a different one. It's upside down. Because um, the A and the R aren't even near each other on a keyboard. 
Uh, by the way, what did you think of the Ray character? She feels like a merge of Han and Luke, the plucky, I can do anything rogue, uh, ref- for reference, you understanding of the Millennium Falcon and the next Jedi Master rolled into one. I'm going again on Christmas Eve or day and really looking forward to it. Cheers, rough. Um, P.S. Just a reminder. He can podcast. So if ever we want rough on the show, we can try and work that out. Rough. We may uh, just, we may just do that. Um, only issue is, is that you are back east. So a bit of a scheduling issue, but we'll work something out. Should be fun. We've done it before. We can do it again. Now to address his question about Ray, I, I actually had a thought on this earlier. Is this something that we should point out? We will be talking specifically about in the episode of generic geek podcast. We're recording right after this one. Um, we could. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, with Ray, it's interesting because there's a lot of really interesting characters in numerous movies over the years. And I think very few of them have become instant icons the way Ray has. Indeed. Uh, I mean, you look at every movie that's ever been made and you can pick out a handful of characters that have the immediate impact that she has had on the film going audiences everywhere. It's absolutely amazing. And I personally love the character. I think she's very awesome. And she doesn't actually, she never gets old on me throughout the entire movie. She never starts to grade on me. No, she doesn't. Which, which is, is awesome. really saying something. Yes. All right. Well, into our headlines and they're kind of everywhere. Especially they're always everywhere. We I know. Stop I giving say that disclaimer. I say that every week. I say that about as awesome as often as I say hello and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> which just so everyone's aware is how I greet everyone. When you come to my door, hello and welcome to my house. And I greet everybody saying greetings <laughs> and people back away slowly. And then I say, get on over here. Now, see, like last week we were like at minute 25 before we start talking about our headlines. And here we're at minute six because it's fun. Yeah. Um, so where should we start? Let's start with the stupid, shall we? Sure. Okay. Fallout 4. I have not played this myself yet. However, I'm excited to because I loved Fallout 3. Fallout 3 was just epic. You know, and Fallout New Vegas was fun. It was glitchy, but I really enjoyed it. Fallout yeah. 4, though, in fact, I'll be playing some Fallout 4 tonight. After we're done, you know, I took a five hour energy, like, I don't know, 30 minutes ago. So I'll be up till 2 a.m. Why not? Why not? Well, you know who is also having a problem with Fallout 4? A stupid guy who decided to lose his family and his job over it and is now suing Bethesda for it. This is amazing to me. How how does somebody have so little self-discipline to where they let their entire life go away for a video game? I mean, it's, it's, is he Korean? Is He's that- Russian, actually. Because, <laughs> you know, if he was Korean, maybe I could understand that. Because, I mean, they'll play till they die. Um, I think in in Korea, Fallout takes like a life every three days or something, doesn't it? Yeah. But. <laughs> now, now this is not new. Um, there has actually been a case in the past, uh, about four years ago, uh, someone sued and successfully won 
um, against uh, a, a game company for the game Lineage 2. Now, in that case, the courts found that the game itself promoted addictive behavior to get people hooked on it. Um, however, they're going to have to try and he, this guy's going to have to try and convince courts that's the case here. The problem being is that tons of people have played this game and he's the only one who seems to have had these problems. Now, he claims it cost him his health. His wife left him. He, it quit, he quit his job because he wasn't making it in and he is suing them for a half million rubles. Now, before that, you think that sounds like a lot. Remember, this is Russia and the ruble isn't literally isn't worth the money it's printed on. So it comes to about $7,000 US. Yeah. And, he says, you know, if they would have just said, well, you know, this is addictive, he would have waited until the holidays to play it. So he wouldn't have lost his job. He still would have lost his wife and his health, apparently, because, hey, you know, what did the holidays have to do with that? But, I mean, part of me wants to say Bethesda should just settle with this guy and make him go away. It's 7000 bucks. That's a drop in the bucket. But that sets a horrible, horrible precedent. Oh, yeah, an incredible precedent. Now, I, yes, games can become quite addictive. I remember when World of Warcraft was really making it big, and people were getting hooked on it. Uh, the entire premise of The Guild, the Felicia Day show where she really gained, rose to prominence was based on her time being addicted to World of Warcraft. Well, and she actually talks about it extensively in her book. I and mean, she was playing 12 hours a day minimum, which, you know, you can't live a life if you're, I mean, if you're playing that much video games. And the interesting thing is she actually says World of Warcraft was a full time job for her. Yeah, so. the thing is, and maybe this is just me being very, very insensitive to the matter, because, I mean, people will claim this, but I, I truly do not have an addictive personality. See, I think I do. And so I think I could very easily do this, but thankfully, I also have common sense. Well, you have a, a wife who will very forcefully remind you that you have other priorities. I do. And, you know, that's probably a good thing. But still, I don't foresee myself just giving up everything for a video game. I, I can't picture that happening. And I think that I could very easily become addicted to something like that. But, you know, I do have my priorities straight. So well, I don't know. I think it really depends. Do you have something else better to do right then? Shower. That could be considered better. <laughs> Depending on how stinky you are, yeah. Um, take in food. That that would be considered better. Um, make sure your wife doesn't leave you. Well, it depends on the wife, let's be honest. <laughs> that is true. Um, that is true. I mean, honestly, maybe he should like be thanking the Bethesda about the wife part. but And maybe well, he had a crappy job. I don't know. You know, part of me thinks, too, if his wife was... If she up and left him after him playing a video game for three weeks, something tells me there were bigger problems there. Yeah. I mean, who just gives up on a marriage after a couple of weeks? Unless, of course, this is like the, the fifth game he played for three weeks straight. Yeah. I mean, there's there's bigger problems there than this guy going on a Fallout 4 bender. In Mother Russia, game plays you. <laughs> it sounds that way. Um, okay, so into some other game news. Um, 
We talked about this very briefly months and months and months ago, and then it kind of went nowhere. And it's the Minecraft story mode. I didn't realize this, and maybe we discussed it, and I just never put two and two together. But I, I just, I didn't ever quite realize this, that it was the mobile version. It was the Android version. They have it for PC as well, I believe. I think it's out on Steam. Yeah, now now this is done by Telltale Games. Who's a, they're a good game company. Maybe I can sue them for ruining my life. Um and they're currently on sale on the Google Play Store. Uh, it's kind of their Christmas promotion they're doing, their holiday promotion where it is 10 cents for a level. Now, you do have to buy them in levels. You buy them in chapters or episodes. And so that's what's happening here as well. Yeah, so so the game is is currently ten cents right now to get that first chapter instead of four ninety nine. So jump on that quickly because I don't know how long that's lasting, and hopefully it's still lasting by the time this goes to air. Now the funny thing is to me is that um, these episodic games are not new. I mean, I remember Penny Arcade did theirs, um, the Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness, and the the Back to the Future one as well. Oh yeah, that was fun. And they did that the same way as well, where it was simply you buy a chapter and you buy a level. And this model doesn't seem to work like on a grand scale. You can't get like Halo level numbers or World of Warcraft level numbers from doing it. But it seems to work well enough that people who really like the game play it through to completion and people who don't care for the game just stop after one level. And they're obviously able to keep making them. Yeah, you know, I think, though, I mean, they did The Walking Dead. They've also done um, Game of Thrones. And I really like the games. They're fun to play. But they do have some drawbacks in that it's very linear. You're kind of forced, okay, you need to do this now. This is your next step. You need to choose between this and this, and this is going to impact your future. Which, you know, I don't mind. But I, especially with Back to the Future, I think with the Walking Dead series, it got a bit better. But it's very much you have to do this before you can do this type of gameplay. Yeah. Which if you don't like it, you won't like the games. But that's that's a model of gameplay. It's not necessarily a model of licensing or a model of payment. That is true. It's not a a pay to play or a pay to win. It's not a. Um, you know, $60 up front for the entire game. Nor is it a $15 up front Android game that you never know if you're going to like or not. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know. I've true. never bought one of these types of games simply because they've never interested me. Interested me. I don't know if I even said that right. However, I'm not against it. And obviously other people aren't either because they, they keep working. And I think actually while we're talking about it, um, this winter sale is going on on Steam right now. And I think the two Walking Dead games are normally like 25 bucks each. I think they're around six bucks right now. So, I mean, if, if you want to give them a try, it's a good time to hop on. And Let's face it. You don't want to spend that time with your family. And there's a very high chance the PlayStation Network or Xbox Live are going to be gone for the week after Christmas. So you might as well try it out, right? Exactly. Exactly. Hey, what do you have to lose other than maybe your health, your wife, and your job? Only if you're Russian, though. Warning. This game may be incredibly addictive. 
if your life is worse than living in a desolated wasteland. <laughs> wow, I hadn't considered it that way. But. Maybe his life was. We don't know that. Maybe this was truly like escapism for him. Man, I wish my house was as nice as that bombed out vault. Yeah. Yeah. That's those bombed out vaults are pretty nice though when you think about it. You know, There's, you get past the rad roaches and you're good to go. And death claws, you know. Like the occasional mole rat that pops up through the floor. Um, hey, not necessarily game news, but she was a game character. Uh Microsoft has had Cortana out for a couple of weeks on iOS and Android. And of course, she has been active on Windows 10 since launch and on Windows Phone 10 as well. And even Windows Phone 8? Yes. I don't know. I forget what it was called. Windows Phone. You know what I mean. Microsoft Cortana has been around for a while. Well, they just released a new update for her on Google, on Android. And it's kind of funny, that because if you look into the uh, release notes, it specifically says that they removed her voice activation feature. Yes. That's not something you normally put in, under release notes as a feature. Yeah, generally, if you're taking away a huge feature like that, you try and bury that. You don't want people to know about it until they discover it. And then take their rage to the Internet. And Microsoft threw it right out there. They said, hey, we're done with this right now. You don't get it anymore. Now, there is actually a reason why they did this, um, and it wasn't that it wasn't working. It was working. However, it turns out it was causing some massive problems with a lot of people. See, a lot of people have their OK Google active on their phones as well, especially if you're a Nexus user or you use the Google Now uh, launcher or anything like that, and they use some of the same API hooks between the two phrases. Now, I personally did not have this issue because I had both Google and Cortana installed, and I could switch between the two just fine. But it turns out a lot of people couldn't, and it was breaking both of them. And there's no way to turn off the OK Google part. Even if you turn off voice activation for OK Google, it's still there, and it still take, takes precedent over Cortana. Because... Google phone, Android system. Yeah. Right, right. I can't blame them for that. No. Um, but yeah, so they disabled it because it was causing people problems. Now, here's the, f and this is, this is me sounding like a cynic. Okay. I love Cortana. I use Cortana more than I use Google now. Does that mean everyone is? Probably not. And, uh, even though I use it, I don't often use the voice activation feature. That was actually going to be my question for you is, do you use the voice activation? Is it going to cause you problems with this being gone or is it not going to impact your, your usage of it at all? Um, well, it's funny because I use, I don't use voice activation on my phone. There's a button you can hit that opens up the voice you know, where she listens for you. I use that instead. I use voice activation on my computer, on my laptop. Okay. And so this was actually kind of a nice thing for me because now I don't have to worry about my phone sitting next to my laptop saying that phrase, saying her, her activation phrase, and both of them kicking into gear. And what's her activation phrase again? Oh, something about her name and what horses eat, you know. <laughs> what horses eat. <laughs> it's a very complex, you know. 
I, I just wanted to see if I could trick you into activating it there. Nah. Um, let's go. Well, let's go somewhere else with Google. Shall we? I, I think we should talk about AI verification since we're talking about Cortana. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go with that. And, um, if Schmitty is listening to this episode, he may, his eye may twitch and he may call me out. But I'm going to go out right now and say Eric Schmidt is a bit of an idiot when it comes to his plans for artificial intelligence. Now, Eric Schmidt, of course, was the founder of Google, one of them, and he's now uh, the chairman of Alphabet. And he is really, really, really excited for AI, involved in self-driving cars, predictive search engines, um, all that different stuff. And he doesn't want us to be scared of using AI. And so he has a really novel idea of three guidelines that everyone should use when developing AI. This is sounding kind of familiar to me, but okay, let's, let's see what he has to say. The first is quote, AI should benefit the many, not the few. So he wants socialist AI. Okay. Um, second, uh, AI should quote, be open responsible and socially engaged end quote. What does he mean by open there? Do you think? Uh, Well, let's keep going. The third one is that um, there, it should avoid quote, undesirable outcomes end quote. I'm confused, Eric. Should it also synergize? I'm (laughs) Should it proactively synergize? Yeah, there's a lot of buzzwords in there, isn't there? Yeah, I have an idea. Don't kill humans. That seems pretty pretty cut and dry. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So if I say, okay, Google, kill this human, it says, mm, sorry, can't do that. I'm sorry, and, I can't do that, Zook. Instead of going, well, will it benefit the greater majority? <laughs> yeah i don't know and you know when he says it should be open does that mean like open source ai so like 4chan can get in there and start messing with it maybe he means that it should be open and warm and engaging of which cortana is doing that so the the terminator should hug you before they exterminate your life how how can ai be responsible yeah, I I don't I don't know. I here here's my issue, and I know he's not a dumb guy. He's obviously not a dumb guy. He may he has way more money than any of us ever will. He helped found one of the strongest and largest companies ever on earth. But this is a really dumb statement. It really is. It shows that he's trying to say something, and he says a lot of big words. And sounds really smart, but when you stop and think about it, he doesn't really say anything. I, I don't see anything beneficial from what he said. Yeah, there, there's nothing in this. Is the episode one of AI framework? Okay. Now, the three laws of robotics that I know are from Isaac Asimov. He used yes. them very famously in all of his writings. Um, most commonly referred to in the iRobot series, which I love that I grew read that all the time growing up. And they state as follows that a robot cannot harm a human or through an action, allow a human to come to harm. 
uh, two, that a robot must follow a human's instructions unless that um, conflicts with the first guideline. And three, a robot must look out for its own well-being so long as that does not conflict with the first two guidelines. Makes sense. Yeah. And XKCD, um, a, f- a few days ago, maybe a week ago, actually put forth a really funny comic of why those specific laws are put in that specific order. Because if you don't do them in that order, you have like a robot apocalypse hellscape. So, I don't know, Eric. Maybe you should have just used the existing laws of robotics and then had your happy, hugging, responsible framework on top of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The undesirable outcome. Well, I'm confused because if I told Google to kill this person, it's undesirable to that person, but it was the desired outcome for me. Yeah. That's true. Or is that going to be like a divide by zero? (laughs) It just blows up the robot. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Maybe BlackBerry can take a crack on it. They're good at buzzwords. They are. You know what they're not good at? Other um, than anything uh, else? Uh, yeah, I, I was trying to narrow it down to one specific thing, but <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Okay, so years and years and years ago, back when I was Zoner's boss, um, we worked for a company, and that company had good software. That's not saying that they made good software. They had mobile devices that used software from a company called Good. Which, looking back on it, is a very confusing name for your company. Is it an adjective? Is it the noun? Yeah, that is kind of confusing, isn't it? I hadn't really considered it before. I always thought it was just kind of clever. And now I'm thinking, no, it's actually quite confusing. But in the days before Exchange really went big, and of course, this is way before Android or iOS, when everyone was using handsprings or trios or or Motorola Pre's or, or Palm Pilots, good ruled the roost. They were the first active sync ready mail client that really kind of took off before any of those other ones. They were like the pre-BlackBerry in terms of security and all the services they offered, and they worked across nearly any platform. So is is it safe to say that Good was great? Good was great. Um, but then they stagnated, and they didn't really go anywhere. Well, and here's what's really confusing for me, because this is an article from the New York Times talking about when Good was purchased by... BlackBerry, which we talked about a few months ago. And they keep talking about good as if it were a startup. And this is why it's confusing to me, because even though we had used good software, oh, geez, what was it now, 12 years ago? Has it been that long? Wow. It's, it's um yeah, just about, just about. They were still considered a startup because they'd never gone public and all of their funding came from investments from their own employees. Okay. So they were about to go public this year. They were ready to go public. Hey, we're good software. You know us. We've been, we are legendary. Never mind the fact that all of our technology has fallen by the wayside and you've all come out with something better. We're going to go up for sale. 
and we are valued at over a billion dollars. Yeah, one point one billion dollars, in fact. Yeah. Um. And then, okay. Um. And John Chen drove the final sale price down to four hundred twenty-five million. Well, and what's really funny is that um, before that, originally BlackBerry had come out and said, "Hey, we'll buy it for eight hundred and twenty-five million." And Good said, "No, no, no. We're worth more than that. We're worth more than that." Okay, okay. I I hear what you're saying. How about I take the eight hundred and twenty-five million and I drop it down to four hundred and twenty-five million? Well, okay, we'll do that then. Yeah, who? Those people on that board need to all be fired. That is so horrible. The stock, the stock price was was supposed to be around three dollars a share. In the end, it ended up selling for forty four cents a share. That's just awful. One of their executives who had invested one hundred and twenty three million dollars left the company with four. Wow. I, so, oh man. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like the only way BlackBerry could afford to buy a company is if they made sure that company's stock looked worse than their own. <laughs> <laughs> so what did this do ultimately to BlackBerry? Do we know? Have we have we seen the results of this purchase yet? Um at least in their sale prices and well no blackberry is the same as anything wow hey cortana what's blackberry's stock history let's see what she says oh she just said it's 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 plummeted <laughs> so yeah that's just um that's just crazy. But it looks like they're having some problems. They've got they've got people contesting um payout amounts. Some of their stockholders are contesting the payout amounts. Um Yeah, there's the, there's a lot of issues here. A lot of people with huge tax bills because of this and Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I I would imagine, you know, the blame for this would would fall solely on goods shoulders which you know isn't great good is bad at this point you're just blowing my mind man um, it's it's so many like adjectives i what's really <laughs> funny is the fact here and obviously we weren't in the negotiation room we don't know i've never even been in a corporate negotiation like this so i can't claim to know what had happened but the people who were at the table who were doing the negotiation on behalf of good had real skin in the game it wasn't like BlackBerry just came in and without resistance said, hey, we're buying you and you'll take whatever we'll give you. I'm just wondering what happened there. But I have real uh, a, a real top tip for any company out there. If you're looking to go public and find a buyer and the only person who's stepping up to the plate is BlackBerry, don't go public. You're not ready. <laughs> That's probably good advice. If it comes down to it and, hey, it's BlackBerry or Google, sure, maybe you should do it. But if BlackBerry thinks they can buy you, that means that they think they're in a better position than you. And that's a real bad thing. It's not a good thing. 
<laughs> that is true. That's like, oh, I almost said something just horribly offensive, but that's like the dumbest kid in the class coming and offering to help you with your homework. Yeah. That's, that's just not a, not a good thing. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. That Blackberry is Ralphie going, I beat the smart kids. That is what, what Blackberry yeah, is. Yeah, Blackberry is Ralph Wiggum going and trying to help Lisa with their homework. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go on into uh, some more mobile companies, or at least a large company and its legal news. Apple. Which the one, I, right? The, let's <laughs> let's talk about iMessage because yeah, we have to clarify because it's like Apple. Well, which one? Which legal battle are we talking about here? Yeah, they're they're always like having having legal issues. It seems I don't know. Is that what happens when you become like the 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 cool kid? You're like everyone's trying to dethrone you. Is that is that why they're seeing so many lawsuits over the last decade? Um. Maybe. I think there's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. There's a lot of issues as to why people would be suing them so much. For one, they know they have the money. And for two, Apple doesn't exactly do a great job of protecting what it's going to be building preemptively. That is true. So, and even when they try to, they end up losing it in a bar anyway. So True. Well, this one goes back to iMessage. Now... If you remember, there was a big hubbub, I want to say like a year ago. It's been in the works for a while. Yeah, it, it's been a while ago. Where people who used iPhones and used iMessage and then switched away from iPhones found that many of their messages didn't work for a while. And the theory was, the prevailing conspiracy was that Apple, in an effort to spite the people who have left, were withholding messages that would have normally have been delivered by iMessage. And since they weren't on iMessage anymore, Apple was dropping them or losing them or delaying them. I had completely forgotten about this because it has been so long since it happened, but evidently it's still been in the courts. Yeah, I forgot about it as well until I read this. I thought, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, this was a thing, wasn't it? Typically, if I don't get a, a text message or if a text message I send never gets there, I just kind of assume that my network dropped it. And then you hit the resend button. Yeah. Go fig. Um, well, it, it turns out that it has now been dismissed. Judge Lucy Coe, who has actually been seeing a lot of these Apple ones, just completely dismissed the lawsuit. Um, Basically saying that there was nothing to prove to show that Apple had ever interfered with them. Uh, in order to have interfered with them, they effectively would have had to have wiretapped all iOS users. Yes. And in this particular case, a couple of the plaintiffs shortly after or after they had the problem, they dumped their iPhone after the case began. And that eliminated some of the evidence that would have helped make their case. So as it stands, it appears that um, these people, when they left their iPhones for Android or Windows or whatever the case may be, they didn't deactivate iMessage. And Apple had no way of actually forwarding those messages. And so it's kind of like moving without leaving a forwarding address. Now, the question is, is that when you describe it that way, it seems awfully obvious, right? It does. 
So why on earth has this been going on for so long? Mm, probably because Apple likes to tie everything up within their own ecosystem. Mm. That's my guess. You're probably right there. They have their own proprietary corner of the corner of the technology world, and once you're there, if you don't do everything it takes to properly leave it, you're going to be leaving a lot of things behind. And I think that that's exactly what happened in this case. Now, um, this is not something that is gone unnoticed. If you go to an Apple store. And I had to last winter, actually, for my mom's iPod, for her iPod Touch, right? And they had to replace it. And they now say, they now tell you that when you get an iPod Touch replaced, the first thing they tell you at the at the Genius Bar, or even if you're doing it over mail or over phone, go into your App Store settings on the device and turn off your features, your sync to that device, your location to that device, for the same reason that they were supposed to deactivate their iMessage. And it's because if you don't do that, Apple doesn't know you don't have it anymore. And it'll keep trying to track the device or link it to your account or keep other people from activating it. So at least this was a learning experience. Apple knows now that they have to tell people, hey, if you're leaving us or if you're even switching to a different device, you need to turn these features off or else the bad things will happen. Yeah. So, I guess it's not all bad then. No, it's not. And hopefully, you know, people will will realize that going forward. Although, we've both done tech support. We've both worked with end users. There's going to be a significant portion of the population who still has issues with this. What do you mean I need to deactivate iMessage? What do you mean I can't have an Outlook file that's 30 gigs big? Same same people. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, um, you remember last week when we talked about how Juniper was discovered to have uh, vulnerabilities in their VPN and their firewall? I and I do. said, Yeah, and I said, hey, you know what? I'll bet you that this wasn't done by some weird hackers. I'll bet you this was an inside job done by the NSA or some such and it's it was directly referenced by that now famous cocktail napkin drawing where it's VPN security and a smiley face. Yep. I really hate being right all the time. <laughs> it's a burden, isn't it? It really is. Um oh my gosh. Today my 12-year-old tried arguing with me about Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day that my 11-year-old tries that on me. He'll be shut down so fast. It's like, dude, don't don't even. It's like, no, 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 I saw this. It's like, no, you, you saw wrong. Don't even argue with me. I know all. Well, it's the same thing here. And uh, I know that sounds very pompous because I have been wrong almost as often as I've been right on this show. But when I'm right, I'm really right. And I'm sorry to say I was right here. Top secret documents dated like four or five years ago. Uh, reveals that uh, the British spy agency GCHQ, uh, with the cooperation of the NSA, acquired the capability to covertly exploit security vulnerabilities, I'm, I'm reading this obviously, in 13 different models of firewall made by Juniper Networks. That's very frightening. Um, now, it, it goes... It, it, it makes sure to point out that it never states that they were the ones who caused the breaks in the VPN firewall and the VPN security. 
It doesn't actually link them to it directly. But let's be honest here. So we've discovered a vulnerability, a backdoor method to get into VPNs. Uh, oh, and here's this document that says that two allied spy agencies worked on a way to insert vulnerabilities into these VPN firewalls. Now, we're not saying it was these spy agencies, but hey. Yeah, it's there, there's a lot of uh, insinuation here. A lot I, of insinuation. Uh, I can't wait for the next one that I'm just totally right about. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully um, it's a while because I hate you being right about this crap. I, I, I do, too, because typically I'm only right about the, good, the bad things. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about some other bad things. This one I had no idea was going to happen. I had no way of planning this one. But it turns out that up in Washington, they've been having some real computer glitches. And thankfully, it's not anything big, you know, like the sewage or the water or power grid. No, it's just the Department of Corrections. <laughs> Is this the one that caused, like, the problems that let, like, 3,500 people out of prison early? Oh, no, no, no. You got that wrong. It's 3,500 people per year. Oh, okay. Since 2002. Okay. So that's, like, <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. No, it's not. Uh, so, admittedly, we're not coders. Now, that falls to Schmitty. But there was a code glitch in the system that is used to calculate how much longer prisoners have to to stay in the system. It only calculates time spent in state prisons. But there's modifiers, okay? So let's say I committed a robbery and I get five years, right? That's five years. That's my sentence. But there's a modifier in where I did it with a gun. And that adds another five years. Okay, so I now have 10 years. Well, within their system, they can earn good credits or good points that go towards getting an early release. So I was a really good inmate, really good. I helped out with, you know, I helped out with people's homework and I learned how to bake and I worked the food line and I got 30 days of, of early release time. The system... Un was mistakenly applying the 30 days, not just to my base sentence of five years, but then again to the modifier. So even though I had 30 days early release time, it gave me 60. If I had another modifier on there, say I had one for doing it while intoxicated, right? Which added another 90 days. It added another 30 days early release time. It did that every single time there was a modifier on there. Wow, that's bad news. Now, they've, they estimated that the average time people were getting out early was around 55 days. That doesn't sound like a whole lot. 55 days is 55 days. If someone's been in prison for 25 years, 55 days... Really a drop in the bucket. Yeah. However, it is important to note that this is an average of 3,500 inmates over the per year over the past 13 years so that means one person could have gotten like no extra time and another person could have gotten a few years early 
Wow. Yeah, you stop and think about that. How would that be to be like, to be one of these inmates and you think that you've still got 18 months left on your sentence and all of a sudden they're kicking you out the door saying, well done. See you later. Well, it gets even worse because they discovered this in 2012 when some victims of one particular inmate were notified that they would be getting released because a lot of states do that, um, especially if it was a, a very heinous crime or a very directed crime. Hey, FYI, your attacker is being released from prison. And the victim's family went back to the prison and said, no, we've been tracking this, too. Their sentence isn't up yet. They went back and said, oh, my gosh, they're right. They're right. Okay, we need to manually calculate this. No, they're absolutely right. The guy's supposed to be in there for another two months. What's wrong? What's happened? So they went back through. They found the error then in 2012. And they discovered how a way to fix it and put it into an ID, IT help fix, a help ticket or fix it, whatever they called it. Um. Well, I'll just read their exact uh, line here. December 2012 to December 15, coding fix was repeatedly delayed. They've just been delaying the fix for three years. Yeah, uh, 2012, I was going to say, it's 2015 now, almost 2016. And so, I again, we've worked tech support. What would happen if we got a ticket and we sat on it for almost four years? I'd be fired. Yeah. How are these people still employed? That makes no sense to me. Oh, right. Government. Right, right. Um, okay. Hey, speaking of government. Sorry, I'm moving around in my chair. So my mic is picking it up. Sounds like a giant fart coming from it, but it's really just a chair <laughs> moving across the floor. <laughs> I, I thought you just farted so hard that it lifted you up. <laughs> I'll fix that in post. Um <laughs> There is a new internet error code being brought out. Now, what's an error code? Okay, like error 400, page not found, right? Or was that 440? I don't... 404, 404, page not found. Oh, yes. yeah, 404. Um, error 500, uh, bad gateway. Those ones, you know them. Everyone's seen them. 301, gateway timeout, or, or whatever it is. Again, Schmitty is much more familiar with all these. There is a new one in town error 451 like fahrenheit 451 if you're not familiar with it it's a ray bradbury book about uh censorship in a future dystopia where firemen are actually people who go and set books on fire because books promote free free thought and free speech and heaven forbid look at us going back and hitting the classic sci-fi authors this episode yes okay so what is Error 451. Well, it's since it's taken from this book, you can kind of imagine what it is. It's basically saying that if you hit that error, it's because that page is no longer available because it has been censored. I hope to never, ever see this page. Well, you know, it could be. I mean, it could be that sites like um, Twitter or Facebook or Google are forced to censor the content like over in China. Or what if it's just your network admin? I, I can totally see that popping up when you're at work and you try and go to some website and you get an error 451. Yeah, okay, okay. I can 
I guess I can see that. Yeah, configure I- it in your Juniper firewall and you know that that way the NSA maybe they're the ones doing it. Uh, hey, hey. You know, I'm going to do everything like that at work now and that way I can always go back. Look, look boss, I'd love to fix this for you, but it wasn't me, it was the NSA. Yeah, makes perfect sense. How can he argue that? We have news stories. Exactly. Trust me, I'm a podcaster. Yes. That's my new bumper sticker or shirt or something. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Okay, uh, let's get into some more stupid news. This one with Twitter. Evidently, we are such a horrible species that we need to start developing all sorts of different tech based solely around selfies. So you know it would produce just the best selfie ever? A drone, of course. A drone run by Twitter that you can command with tweets. Um... When when I hear selfies and stuff and horribleness, I immediately think Kardashian. Well, just so, think of Kim Kardashian controlling a drone using tweets in order so, to get that perfect selfie. It's just going to crash and burn because, yes. Now, this drone really should ask itself some key questions. First off, is this selfie going to benefit the greater good? <laughs> <laughs> is another I see picture what you did there. is another picture of Kim Kardashian an unwanted or an undesirable outcome? I'm gonna go with yes. Is it a is it a responsible thing to do? I'm sorry, I keep going back to Eric Schmidt's comments about drones. You might as well tell the drone to remember who it is and what it stands for, because that's about that's the framework of those three rules he's put forth. Um, okay, Twitter has put forth a patent for this drone. We all know that just because there's a patent for it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be made, and Lord, I hope it never is, because that is a stupid idea. I concur 100%. If you do have a drone, though, and this Christmas season, a few of you may be getting one, um, the FAA has opened up their registration for it. You have to register your drone. Yeah, I think it's got, what, a $5 registration fee? And um, you know what? I'm okay with this. I don't know about you, your feelings. I'm actually okay with this. You know my feelings. I don't want to tell the government anything. Yeah, but let's let's put it this way. If, as a drone operator, you want to claim the same protections that other registered aircraft have, meaning you can't freaking shoot my drone out of the sky because you don't like it. Well, then, technically, that means that the aircraft should be registered by the same governing body that registers all aircraft that it's illegal to shoot at. I mean, it it just makes sense. If you've got to register your light private airplane so Billy Bob Kentucky can't shoot at it with a shotgun, then you should have to register all devices that you fly that you don't want him to shoot at. Mm, I'll give you that. But you know me. I don't want to tell the government anything. So. I know. I know. I, they I'd still be one think of those, that you're 16 uh, and can't drive. Yeah, I'd have one of those undocumented drones. The black choppers, man. The black yep. drones. <laughs> yep. Um. Okay. What do we have left? Oh. We have, because this is possibly our last episode recorded this year. Yeah, I want to say that's going to be the case because I'm gone all next week. 
which means we'll probably be recording after I get back on, on next Sunday. We need to kind of do a quick 2015 year in review. Um, long story short, nothing happened. Awesome. Okay. We're done. Um, <laughs> you know, this, this is really interesting though, because every year they always say, Oh, well, this is what's going to be the next big thing. And this is how we're going to, this is what we're going to see change the way we use technology, or this is the way, you know, we're going to revolutionize the way you do whatever. And nothing happened like that this year. Now, they tried bringing out a lot more um, self-driving cars, but in the end, they didn't bring out any of them. They just kind of announced it. Elon Musk announced uh, a new car, which was really just the same as his old one, just with a larger body. Yeah. Um, this article actually is from, oh, where is it from? From The Verge. It's- the Verge, yeah. Yeah, and we like The Verge. They, they write good stuff. And they pointed out some things that I hadn't considered, but they're very right on. Smartphones became a little bit more mature and that they no longer surprised us. And that sounds like a bad thing, but it's kind of like if you get a top-of-the-line cell phone, smartphone, you know what it's going to do now. We've all, we've all gotten very, very familiar with the capabilities of our phones, what we expect of them, how to use them. And it's almost like that, well, it's no big deal, is actually a milestone. It really is. It's kind of like uh, when PCs, I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a period there where you would buy your computer, take it home, and a week later it was completely outdated. And it's not that way so much anymore, but you know that kind of happened as the technology kind of matured and stabilized i think we're seeing that with cell phones now yeah people people now go get their phone and it's gonna hold out for a few years and they're gonna be okay well and i think of it kind of like cars because i remember when and yes i'm old and zoner's older but you get your car and oh this one has power windows zoner look my car has power windows i didn't even have to pay extra for that look how fancy that is it's standard and yeah, now, now it's, everyone has it because it's a standard thing. You, it's actually harder to find a car without power windows than it is with. And it's just kind of that more, it's a mature technology now. It's something everyone has. Everyone knows how to use it. It's just standard. And in that way, smartphones have really matured. It's kind of a strange achievement because it feels like a step back. But in truth, it means that they've, they've come into their own. Yes. Uh, I like how you say that. They've come into their own. Yeah. Wearables, on the other hand, this was supposed to be the year of the wearables. And and even at the beginning of the year, I said, you know, they're going to try bringing them out. They're going to be big. I don't think they're ready for them still. We saw Google Glass flounder and fold. Yeah, it kind of disappeared, didn't it? They just kind of said, nope. But then they said, oh, just kidding. We're going to come out with a new one. Yeah. So we'll um, see. We saw a few new models of very fashionable ones. Um, the Q Founder is still my favorite of all of them. Um, but And, of course, the Apple Watch, which has, I don't want to call it a flop because it's selling pretty well. But even the people who have it can't seem to justify having it. <laughs> it's like, yes, I have an Apple Watch. And it's um, just kind of that status thing like we said it would be yeah it's a basically a bracelet that shows the time when i shake it real hard 
On the other hand, my Fitbit does that for a fraction of the price, and I freaking love it. It's his man bracelet. Yes. His macelet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what else? Microsoft is back. No big deal. I never thought they win anywhere, but apparently some people did. Well, they, they rebranded themselves, and they did a good job of it with Windows 10 and the new tablets. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I got to use a Surface Book for the first time this week. They're nice. It, they're incredible. If I had unlimited funds, yeah, I'd buy one. Um, yeah. Apple had some major falls um, by releasing a Mac that was actively slower than anything else on the market, an iPad Pro that was basically a Surface uh, a MacBook, which was widely overhyped and not, not even the fans liked it. It was actually quite surprising that way. Yeah. So yeah. Um, thanks, 2015. You, you, you kind of just left us with nothing. Well, and then we've, we've got the Internet of Things. You know, every year we're told, oh, this is the year, you know, Internet of Things. Okay. We can do our light bulbs. Big freaking deal. I can turn on my lights with an app. I can... Well, I can't even do that well. I can turn on a light bulb. Yes. <laughs> I can turn on light bulbs one at a time, like a peasant. <laughs> freaking plebe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... 2015, there wasn't a lot. And, you know, that's crazy because we're a tech show. We talked a lot of tech. There was a lot of tech in the news, but there wasn't really anything that was revolutionary or groundbreaking. It was the year of the security breach. It really was. Yeah. We talked about tech, but none of it was good. It was all about, hmm, what did you have stole? What did Zoner break in the internet this week? <laughs> and, and this week it was the Hyatt Hotels. Yes, but we, we're not going to get to them. So, I don't know. Are we wrong? Are we being unfair to 2015? Was there something that really stood out for you? Let us know. You know the rules. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call. Into our, our favorites. I used to have every DK book I could find. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with DK books by the name, you are definitely familiar with them by seeing them. They're the ones that have... Everything exploded out and a caption for everything. Stuff you never would have seen or known about otherwise, and they have it on a variety of subjects. Well, the only thing better than a DK book is a DK Star Wars book. The only thing better than a DK Star Wars book is The Force Awakens. It is awesome. I must have it. And you should have it. And they talk a lot about stuff that... People have a lot of questions about after seeing The Force Awakens. Indeed. Uh, my favorite is also surprise Star Wars related. I got to see how many weeks in a row I've done something Star Wars related. Uh, All I the think, weeks. Because I think I'm approaching some records here. But my favorite is Christmas and Star Wars. It is Darth Santa by Cor Corridor Digital. Uh, these are the guys who brought you the real GTA video. Um I believe Schmitty used that for a favorite a few months back. But it's basically Santa acting as the Grinch, going through, trashing a home. Uh, it's awesome. Straight up awesome. Check it out. How does he get his lightsaber to curve like that? That's what uh, I want to know. I don't know. It's seems, amazing. But yeah, seems Vader, dangerous. Vader is, Vader is an awesome Grinch. Who will force choke the crap out of you? All right. Well, that is our show this week. Hey, happy holidays to everyone. We won't see you again until uh, 2016. 
Um, I hope you have a good, safe holiday season and new year. Uh, again, if you want to give us a shout out, uh, do so on Twitter or Facebook. Write us at face feedback at stolendroids.com or give us a call at 801 917 Until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.